here tonight. It's good to see you. I want to remind you this Friday night we have the mother-daughter evening here at the church. And uh, hopefully you know what you need to know by now about that. But if you've still got questions, you can see Sister Dora about that. That's this Friday evening here at the church. Six, six o'clock. Six o'clock is the time for that. Amen. Amen. It's good to have Bishop Schoonover with us here tonight. I, I want to say thank you uh, to Brother Hart for taking care of things while we were traveling and everybody else. I know that, <laughs> amen, what I told him was my, my mind was at ease knowing things were going to be well managed, so I'm appreciative of that. And I know it wasn't just him, but all the body pitched in. Sister Pat, I appreciate what you shared last Tuesday night. That was wonderful. And uh, I appreciate that. And just everybody that played a part while we were gone, also the, the ministry the Tuesday before was excellent as well. So thank you for everyone. Uh, and it's good to be back. We missed you greatly. It felt like uh, a long time that we were gone in some respects. But... Um, I've told everybody I'm ready to go back. I'm just not ready to do those plane rides anymore. <laughs> That's a long time to sit on a plane. So, but yes, we had a wonderful time, a wonderful trip. I'm thankful that we were able to go and make that trip. Um, I, I'll share a little bit about some of the things that took place there tonight. Um, we spent the first roughly three days in Rome, just my wife and I, and um, I learned a lot in those three days, mostly historically in a historical context about uh, the city of Rome, the history of things that took place there, and one way that I, I could describe it, like I, I've told a few people this, that city had, I guess, what I called a massive facelift at some point in history. That kind of stuck out to me. I, in my mind, I guess I just thought that it was a natural progression and evolution to what it is right now. But if you, if you take the time to go look up dates and uh, periods in history, you'll see, you know, there was ancient Rome and then there was the more modern Rome, which was sometime around the 1600s, and the two are very different from one another. I won't go into that tonight in great detail, but when you're standing there and you're looking one way and you see ancient Rome from 20 BC, and then you're looking this way and you see Rome from 1600 AD, and you know this is not the same thing at all. Something happened between that and that, that's all I'll say about that right now. But look it up. I, that's what I learned. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was such a distinct gap uh, between the time periods that affected uh, what you see when you go there. Um, but it was amazing, amazing and interesting to see that. Um, we also uh, spent some days in Turin, 
or Torino. Sometimes we say one, sometimes we say the other. It's the same city. And um, I was marked by the um, fellowship that we were allowed to have with the congregation there, uh, also with Brother Pedro and Sister Maria Guzman. Um, we, were, we, we were able to spend quite a bit of time with them, and it was all encouraging and uplifting um, to me. And so I am very thankful for that. Um, most of you have heard this by now, so not to try to sound like a broken record, but just to make sure you're, you understand what we're saying. It was 23 years, so it was 2000, the year 2000, when Bishop and Brother Pedro first came in contact with one another. And uh, Bible studies through email and then trips to Florida and Bible studies in person um, between Bishop and Brother Pedro, and then uh, the Lord reaching them, Brother Pedro, Sister Maria, that whole family. Through the course of time, they went to uh, Italy as missionaries and established two congregations that are still there, still going, even though the Guzmans have since moved on for over a year and uh, have been in Ireland. But we were able to visit with one of the congregations, that's the one in, in Turin, and the pastor from the congregation in Milan was also there with us. So we were able to have um, fellowship with them, good fellowship with them. It was the Guzman's first time back to Italy since they had left to Ireland over a year ago at this same time that we were there. So it was a, it was a great reunion in, in many ways, um, but it was great fellowship. Uh, in many ways as well. One of, the, one of the remarks that I made to Brother Pedro, and I want to talk a little bit about this tonight, and I, I said, Lord, you'll have to give me scripture for this because I don't want people to just think I'm making this up. Uh, but what I said was, you, we've, 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 t we've talked about this term before. You've probably heard it at least once or twice, the term spirit of ministry. Okay, everybody say spirit of ministry. I told Brother Pedro there was, I, I think I called it the same, or a very similar spirit of ministry that's in the congregation there in Turin as what we have here among our life church congregations. Now, I'll tell you what I mean by that. You or I could go to virtually any other church that you don't know anybody there. You, uh, maybe you're just visiting because you're in that area, that part of the country or that part of the state or whatever. And you think, well, let me look up a, a Pentecostal church or an apostolic church and I'll just go visit it since I'm here and maybe I'm here on a Sunday or whatever. You go there and you have, theoretically, you have the same doctrine as the people you're visiting. You have the same beliefs. You know that they believe one God, Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost, uh, living a holy life. You, you know you got those, that groundwork that's there. And that's good. That's a good thing, good place to start. But sometimes you go and visit, and then you leave, and you think, well, I think that's all we have in common. 
And I'm not knocking it still. But what I would say to you, and this is just years of experience, really speaking, is that congregation may not have the same spirit of ministry operating in it as what you're used to here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. I told you, I, I told the Lord, you're going to have to give me some scripture for this so they don't just think I'm bashing somebody or lifting somebody up. No, this is, this is, this is gospel. This is the Bible. You think of this passage, this chapter, probably, if you're like me, you usually think of 1 Corinthians 12 as the, the chapter about the gifts of the Spirit, because it is. This is the same chapter where it says, he gave the gift of this, and he gave the gift of this, and he gave... But this, these are the verses leading up to that. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Everybody say diversities. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, and there are differences. That's the exact same word as diversities, okay? It's just English. One time calls it diversities. One time calls it differences. But it's, it's, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord I'm going to come back to that, but read verse 6. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So really it's talking about three aspects of spiritual ministry. Amen. Gifts, ministrations, and operations. And it says they're different, they're different, they're different. And then it goes on to say he gave some the gift of healing by the same spirit. He gave some the gift of prophecy. He gave some all those different ones. But you can really wrap all of those individual gifts up under one of these other items. The gifts, the operations, and the ministrations, or the administration okay differences somebody say differences that is the meaning of diversities or differences is a distinction arising from a different distribution to different persons Distribution means what was given to, to somebody. Uh, I, I got a little example here. Let me just stay with me for a bit, and then I'll get back to what I was talking about. But that means what was given to somebody. I'll give you an example. The Lord gave us hair on our heads. Some of us still have proof, and some of us not so much. But the Lord gave us hair on our heads, right? Is all of our hair the same? No, it's not. The Lord gave some of us dark hair. So does that just mean everybody that's got dark hair has the same color hair? No, no, no. You get into dark and, well, there's brown and there's dark brown and there's black and whatever other shades of dark. But they're different, right? Right? 
And so I could just say, well, everybody here that's got dark hair has got the same hair. No, clearly not. Why? Because it's different by distribution to individual. If I just say everybody with dark hair stand up and we all stand up that's got dark hair, then we say, okay, we're pretty much alike, those of us with dark hair, similar. But we would say not, in, not entirely the same. That's my example for the idea of diversities of distribution. Okay? But every single one of us got the hair on our head from the Lord. Right? I'm not going to go down that road, but just say amen and we'll move along. <laughs> it's the same with the ministry of the Spirit. It's the same with the operation of gifts of the Spirit. This is why you could pick any random truth, Bible-believing, teaching church that you and I have never been to, somewhere we've never gone. Use Brother Kreitz, for example, right, that ministered Sunday. He's got a church in Maryland. If before Sunday you'd never met him, didn't know anything about him, but you happened to be in, what's it called, accident, Maryland? Accident. By accident. And you thought, well, then let's look up the church. Oh, there's, here's one. Let's go here. You could go there and think, wow, this feels so much like Life Church. Or you could go there and think, wow, this feels nothing like Life Church. Either way, I'm not saying one's even better than the other. I'm saying they're individual gifts and ministrations and operations given by God. Given by the Spirit, okay? I'm going a long ways to prove this point and give you the understanding so that you understand what I say when I say that in the congregation in Torino, it felt very much like the same spirit of ministry that we have here. Now, there are, I believe, obvious reasons for that, the large majority of the congregation that's there were won to the Lord by the Guzmans and discipled and taught by the Guzmans. The Guzmans were won to the Lord and discipled and taught by our bishop. That makes perfect sense to me, right? That there's not some third party that there's not some other voice or some other uh, ministration, if I can put it that way. It's not this. It's not exactly. Somebody asked me, what's the differences? And I thought, well, the, there's tons of differences in, in, in you know, what their church was like versus our church. In fact, to most people, they'd probably say there was hardly anything alike, except they had music and singing and preaching. No, but outside of that, it was totally different. But my point is, the operation that took place there and the spirit of ministry that took place there was very similar. Uh, by the time we got our um, apps working on our phones to be able to communicate through translation... 
I was able to have a couple of one-on-one conversations with the pastor there. Not Brother Guzman, but the man that's been pastoring since uh, he left, so over a year ago. His name's Brother, I- Brother Enzo, Pastor Enzo. And so he and I uh, were talking, and the more we talked and the more we shared, the more we realized we had in common with one another, outside of just this whole spirit of ministry thing that I was just talking about, but very similar. Uh, He took over a congregation from the pastor that started the congregation. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Took over the congregation, right, from the pastor that started the congregation. Uh, has dealt with things like COVID in the church. Does that sound familiar? Yes. And so he and I are, are, are on, on the same page in a lot of... In fact, uh, we, were, we were just like, yeah, that's what it's like here. That's what it's like here. That's, you deal with that, I deal with that. You've got people like that. We've got people like that in a good way. You, you know, we understand this is what it's like. In fa- and, and finally, he just puts his phone down he was trying to talk to the other person, and he's and he just like, <laughs> that's international symbol for we are alike. <laughs> um, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the Lord would, would show us that, would, would allow us to go and receive from that and realize and understand that we are a part of it. Amen. It, I know if you're like me, sometimes it just it feels like I have my life, my job, my family, my responsibilities, and every, every uh, Tuesday and every Sunday I kind of pause all those things to go be a part of the church and do the church stuff. And then we pray and we leave and I go back to my responsibilities and my life and without the proper perspective, we can think, well, this is, I, I just got God as a, as a part of my life, as a part of my routine. But stepping back and realizing this, um, you, whether you know it or not, whether you think about it or not, you and I have brothers and sisters all over the world, not just in Torino or Milan, but all over the world that God's working on and working in and working through just like he is you and, and me. I, I told somebody that especially with that, that connection I felt the Lord had allowed us to have with, uh, allowed me to have with Pastor Enzo and still tying it to this idea of the spirit of ministry. Just in the matter of five minutes, ten minutes of talking, I felt more connection and like I could share more things with him than I can with people I've known 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, my whole life. And again, it's because of the the same spirit of ministry. Yes, you are my brother in Christ, or my sister in Christ, but when the Lord actually brings a spiritual and a divine connection like that, you recognize it. And you know, this is not just because we're buddies. This is not just because we grew up together or didn't grow up together. This is the work the Lord's doing in your life and the work the Lord's doing in my life. 
that connects us this way. Amen. If you were here last Saturday, you heard Bishop talk a little bit about this uh, after the morning prayer. But um, on the Saturday before that Sunday with the congregation, we had a time of fellowship with the, the leadership team of the, of the uh, congregation there. Now, you got to remember and realize my wife and I have five kids. The oldest is 16. The youngest is seven. We're used to a full house. We're used to kids' noises. We're used to kids bugging us. We're used to kids questioning us. And so, okay, the 15-hour plane rides there of silence, compounded by the three days of touring and traveling and hotel silence, was like, we're, we really are all the way across the world, it feels like, right now. <laughs> but it was beautiful when we finally got to that fellowship because there was 15 or 20 little kids running around playing. And we're like, oh, this feels the most like home of anywhere we've been. And my wife even told them, this is beautiful. Because, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're eating, we're talking, we're, we're praying, we're sharing the word and all that, and the kids are just running, falling, crying, all the things that kids do. And uh, it was like, oh, yes, same spirit of ministry. No, <laughs> it, it, it felt, it, it just it really, honestly, I think it just put us at ease in a lot of ways and made us feel like this is what we didn't have since we left home, that this element that's now back here again. It's the family element, really. Um, and if you recall, maybe two weeks, three weeks ago, um, I think it was on a Sunday. Yeah, it was a Sunday, and I, I spoke from First Timothy about the idea that no one should be idle, uh, idle with your time, right? And we read in that, that chapter, that passage of First Timothy. Um, in fact, let me look it up really quickly. Um, just to just to give you the refresher. Chapter five, First Timothy, chapter five. I'm not going to take the time to go all the way back through this. Verse eight. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 is really what I felt like was kind of the crux of this, that message or what I was feeling direction from the Lord that day. If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, faith and is worth than an infidel. And then verse uh, 13. With all they learn to be idle wandering about from house to house and not only idle but tattlers and busybodies speaking things which they ought not i if you remember any of that would you just say amen okay you're my my witness that i wasn't just dreaming that the lord ministered to us about that right after that that service that day the lord was just kind of still talking to me about it and i i had known that this verse was also in here but I stopped just before this verse. 
Uh, if you go to verse 14, Brother Timothy, I sent this to Brother Hart and, and to my wife and just said that day, I stopped right before this verse. Now, I knew it, like I said, I knew it was there because of my notes and my study and, and everything, but the Lord, you know, took us that far and then ended that day. This is what the, the very next verse says, okay? I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And I sent that, that verse to the two of them, and I said, we stopped right before this verse. And the Lord just really kind of kept it going on in my spirit. I even asked my wife, you've been doing this a lot longer than me as far as bearing children and running a house and all those things. And, you, and I know that she's a learner. She's a reader. Uh, it's one thing I greatly appreciate about her. She is always studying and learning and, and learning how to do what she does. She's already great at it, but it's kind of a constant drive that the Lord has given her to continue to learn and continue to grow. So I assume, okay, she listens to podcasts, she reads mothering books, she knows all this. Surely she has heard that phrase, this verse, but particularly that phrase that says, guide the house. And she said, no. Imagine that. There's not some... some podcaster out there that's already taken this um but the the lord just he it's like he smacked me in the head with that phrase because i thought i've always thought that's the man's job that's the husband's job that's the father's job so you know me and you know i study and i look up words in the scripture i thought okay there's got to be some hidden understanding here that I'm just not getting yet because everywhere else I know the scriptures that the man is given for uh, uh, the head of the woman is the man and that uh, the men are supposed to look out and guide for and take care of and and all of those things um, be the leader be the head of a house that's that's my understanding from everywhere else in scripture and I know that Scripture doesn't contradict itself. Okay, it's not like we're discovering some, some new doctrine that is going to throw everything upside down. No, it's just... Okay, let me briefly recap. All the rest of pretty much everything from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 up to 13... I said it the other day, it was the, the phrase that God gave me was systems of support. And meaning, it doesn't matter if you're married, male or female, single, male or female, adult, teenager, adolescent, newborn. It doesn't matter. God has a place for you in a system of support and a role for you to play in it with responsibilities. Even the children. Don't make me go there. Proverbs, there's a lot of lists of responsibilities for children in Proverbs. I don't feel like going there tonight. But children, obey your parents. Okay, you know where I'm going with that. But everywhere in this passage, it's all about finding your place. And really, it's about Paul defining to Timothy a proper setup. 
a proper system so that people are living correctly. And in some of these passages, he says it, if it's not done right, here's what's going to happen. The person's going to become idle. The person's become, going to become a busybody. The person is whatever it is. So you've got to find your place and do it. And he also th goes through that, and he talks about widows. And he's specifically saying whom the church is supposed to support as far as widows. He did say in there three score, which is 60 years old. And if she's not over 60, she doesn't get added to the list of those that the church is supposed to support. Also, if she's got capable children or family structure of supporting her, she doesn't get added to... I'm not, don't, I'm not trying to go there, so don't make that about what I'm talking about tonight. But he establishes those things, and then he says, I will therefore... That therefore means because, because of. So because of all that I just said, I will, I think it's right, my wish would be that the younger women marry. I'm making sure everybody sees that. Don't stop there. Mary, bear children. Don't stop there. Mary, bear children. Guide the house. That is the support. That is the role. The natural progression, according to the Bible, for the role of a young woman that gets married and bears children. She's not, mm, she's not just supposed to be popping out babies for the sake of a big family or for the sake of whatever else. I'll say it. She's not just supposed to have a big family so she can get more benefits from the government. Now, obviously, that wasn't the case back then. So who's the Lord talking to? 2023. All right. But when she marries and bears children, she now has a house. Household is what that's talking about. Not, this, not the physical building, but the household. And as... Such, she now has a responsibility to guide the household. Set the course for the household. That's what it means to guide. I'm leading, you're following. I'm going this way, you're all supposed to be going this way. Now I know... I. My mom was here last week, and I was telling her a little bit about this. And I thought, we were sitting at that table. Bishop was talking. We were about at the hour mark. I was watching. 
<laughs> it was great. It was good. And finally, <laughs> no, I'll just be honest. He, he actually said before all this, <laughs> he said, I'm going to take the time tonight and just let you focus on tomorrow. He did. And I thought, okay, good. And then he took his time, and then he realized, you're also going to take some time tonight, here, right now. During the process of all that, I felt the Lord was also letting me know I was going to be taking some time. And, and that's what he, like I said, he hadn't stopped talking to me about that since the week before on a Sunday. But I thought, Lord, surely I'm not going to Italy to teach about this. So instead, when I realized, no, you're going to talk about this and you're going to talk about it right now, I thought, well, this is a safer environment because we just got the leadership of the congregation. But here I am, stranger to these men and women. They don't know me. I don't know them. Completely different language, completely different culture than all of them. And I thought, I got to tell these men that their wives get to be in charge of the house. How is that going to look? Lord, you're going to have to help me. Because <laughs> they don't know me. They don't know us. Very, very little they might have seen and heard. But, I, Lord, this is the only verse... <laughs> And I, and I mentioned it, I said about as much as I've said tonight, and uh, through translation, add that little wrinkle in there, and everything I say I'm hoping is interpreted correctly. Not that I'm thinking it wouldn't be, but, you know, just language barriers are a challenge. So I'm sitting there saying, the women guide the house, I'm waiting for it to be translated, and then I'm waiting to see the responses. And I knew it was kind of getting through because all the women are leaning in and smiling. And, and all the men are sitting back. <laughs> and then finally, one of the men asked a question. He said, isn't that talking about widows? That was how it came through translation. <laughs> I thought, praise the Lord, I know somebody's listening. And then, we, you know, obviously this, this particular verse is not talking about widows. This is instruction, Paul's instruction to Timothy for what he wills for the young women. And it's establishing the order of the household. And I tried, I, I told him, you know, my wife says I'm not good at making qualifying statements. I'm really not. I just, I don't like to do that. I like to let the Lord do that as much as he can. But in this instance, the qualifying statement is my wife is, should be, all wives should be submitted to their husbands. We can make qualifying statements about that and go even further because the husband's got to be submitted to the spiritual authority in his life. And that spiritual authority's got to be under God. You know, there's a whole order here that we need about three weeks to really get all the way through. But you get, you get down that order and you realize, like I said, everybody's got roles and responsibilities. 
This verse, to me, highlights the roles and the responsibilities for the wife slash mother in the household. Go back to verse 13. Keep this in mind. Go back one more verse. Go back one more verse. But the younger widows refuse. Okay, you know now what he says in verse 14. I will that younger women marry. He's actually saying why ahead of time. The younger widows refuse. Don't add them to the list that you're supposed to support. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. You, you start to support a, a, a young woman who's out of the normal station of life because, why? Because she's not married. Then this is what's going to happen. Next verse. She's going to wax wanton against Christ. They will marry. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. Next verse. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things. Okay, I know, I know. Thank the Lord there's nobody more here than what's here tonight. Because I know how this makes me look and how this makes me sound, even though, honestly, I'm only reading the Bible. I'm only reading the Bible. But I know how it makes me look and how it makes me sound. You hate women? You don't think women are good for anything else? You think men are smarter than women? That's how, I, I'm just telling you, I'm aware of how this sounds, especially nowadays. It's not true at all. But the Holy Ghost gives men and women of God insight and knowledge, oftentimes through experience. And Paul is one who has been around a while, all over that part of the world, and has enough experience to say, you know, I went to this town and I saw that certain groups live like this and do this if this is not in place. And then I went here and I saw the same thing. And then I went here and I saw this. What I'm learning is human nature. So let's deal with human nature. And let the Lord handle the exceptions. Let the Lord handle the attitudes. Uh. Go back to verse 1. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Now, understand, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. The Holy Ghost is inspiring Paul to say these things. So this is not just 
Paul's advice 101. Okay, this is the Holy Ghost. If you believe the Bible, you believe this is the Holy, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. You believe this is the Holy Ghost inspiring Paul to tell this to Timothy, and the Holy Ghost knows it's going to be recorded and shared and reshared and read and reread, even in Union Gap in 2023. So there are elements. Of this, that the Holy Ghost is speaking to you and to me. It's not just some buddy's letter, how to be a good, good guy. Rebuke not an elder. Now, in their society, what was an elder? It was an older person. On in age. And Timothy was not an elder. He's a younger man. So read, in, read between the lines and you see Paul is saying, young men, don't go around treating the elder men any way you want to, especially rebuking them. Reserve them in a place of respect. And treat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren. You don't, it's not just, okay, we'll, we'll pretend like we're nice to the old people and then we'll be mean to each other. No. The younger men as brethren, verse 2. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. I said this a few Sundays ago. If you could just do those two verses properly, everything else is going to take care of itself. Now, hear me. This is not only for the young men in their early 20s or whatever Timothy was then. This is for everybody. You understand? This is for everybody. You don't get to go around and say, well, I'm an older woman, so I can be as mean and harsh as I want to. Or and I'm, a, I'm an older man. I don't have to respect anybody anymore. No, this is for everybody. Verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Next verse. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before the God. That's where the scripture says the support system for a widow indeed. A widow indeed is a widow that has children or nephews that can support them. Verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in desolate, meaning she doesn't have that family to lean on. Trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. Verse 6. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Verse 7. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. 
Next verse. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Next verse. Well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Now, how, I don't know how you can read all of this and just say, well, Paul doesn't like women. He doesn't. Uh, he, he does. That's not true. He's, he's saying this is what giftings, this is what ministries can be done, should be done. He's telling Timothy, look for these things. If, right? Is that what it says? If. If she have relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work. Verse 11. But the younger widows refuse. Now you see where we get to. That's drawing the line from one to the other. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Look down at verse 21. I'm, I'm still not reading all of the instruction here. But he says here, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. I believe the Lord has instruction for us. And it's not just a code of conduct, okay? I remember way back, I think it was early in our marriage, we were talking about ethics and my wife was saying, yeah, U.S. Bank, that's where she used to work. They're all about the code of ethics. And if you work there, you, they teach you and they train you, and you're going to know all of this stuff. Even if you don't know how to count money, you're going to leave knowing their code of ethics. This is what we're reading, what we see, and what the Lord is talking to us about. In there is a code of ethics or a code of conduct. But it's not just that. Paul is establishing, the Holy Ghost through Paul is establishing what a biblical family looks like. What a biblical man looks like. What a biblical woman looks like. There's a word that really sticks out to me. The word is diligent. This is for man and woman, young and old, diligent. Because it's one thing to know. It's a different thing to be diligent. We can acquire all the knowledge in the world that we want to. But if we're not diligent, that means careful to put into practice. If we're not careful to put into practice, then all we are is like, a walking encyclopedia. 
I... Oh, Lord. All right, you can stop the live stream. I'm not going to...